What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Sports Kingdom Show. I am your host, Eric, the Duke of Sports Sklar. I am joined by my co-host, Shelton's very own Tyler Pacholke. Before we start the show, we appreciate you all so much for listening. Be sure to hit that subscribe or follow button wherever you decide to listen to the Sports Kingdom Show so you can stay up to date on the newest episodes of the show. Also, be sure to give us a five-star rating and review the show on whatever platform you're listening to us through. That really helps out as well. Don't forget to follow at TSK Show on all social media platforms and follow us as well at the Duke of Sports and at Tyler Pacholke. On this episode of the Sports Kingdom Show, Coach Scott Fields will be making his return to the TSK Show. Coach Scott Fields is a former FIBA and NBA coach and will get his thoughts on everything going on in the first round of the NBA playoffs. All this and more on episode 196 of the Sports Kingdom Show coming up right now. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 196 of the Sports Kingdom Show. I'm your host, Eric, the Duke of Sports Sklar. Joining me as always, Shelton's very own... Tyler Pachalki, what's up, TP? How you living, man? I'm good, man. It's almost summertime. It's it, the weather's getting nice out. It's a good time of year. Yes. Also, I just I just recognize this as you do the the intro, episode 196, UFC 196 was when Nate Diaz beat Connor. <laughs> so I now, that's awesome. I now I now know if someone says the number 196, I just instantly think of that you automatically go back to that moment in time what what a I, moment in time that was one of, <laughs> one of the better moments <laughs> oh yes and also tyler 196 that means we're four episodes away from episode 200 big time big, big time. time big time i can't believe we're, we're almost at 200 episodes of this bad boy man climbing the mountain yes we've been chugging along we've been chugging along but, all right, real quick, before we get to our special guest tonight, we do have a guest joining us to talk about the first round of the NBA playoffs. Uh, Tyler and I, I wanted, well, Tyler, I wanted to talk to you about two big names in the NFL that made appearances on some pretty big network shows this past week. And one, I think, definitely was knowingly, he was he knew he was going to be on that show and, and the other one i don't really know if it was knowingly or not uh, and of course i'm talking about julio jones being called up randomly by shannon sharp in the middle of uh what i don't even know what their show is called what's it called first things first the him and skip yeah is that what it's called or is it just called shannon and skip i think it's undisputed undisputed that's what it is thank you that first things first was the other Fox Sports. See, I don't even watch those morning debate shows anymore because I think they're so uh, <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, un- yeah. Shannon Sharp called Julio Jones on Undisputed, uh, and then obviously Aaron Rodgers appeared on 
the legend Kenny Maine's last sports center. And of course, that is obviously the knowingly incident uh, of Aaron Rodgers being on Kenny Maine's last sports center. And then Shannon Sharp calling up Julio Jones randomly. That, uh, that was definitely quite the surprise. And I think it's, it's the perfect like niche for that morning debate show and and that that says the current environment of what they are i think right now tyler uh but for julio and aaron Rodgers, these two guys find themselves in very interesting predicaments with their current teams and i'm not sure if anything's really changed with the situation uh obviously with the way their contracts are once june 1st rolls around the trade implications and contract implicate implications change uh so what do you think is going to happen with julio and and aaron Rodgers? oh well you know i would i believe that both those guys would play for their teams or they would play for the packers and falcons again but i think they're both going to get traded now i think it's a done deal Green Bay might even have the deal that they want already lined up. I don't know, dude. I don't know if, I mean. I don't know either, but I just think that if these two guys are really saying, um, you know, I'm not playing for you, the only way I see Rodgers coming back is if they fire the GM. Yeah, that's that's very true. So, I mean, I guess you have that small chance, but. He already didn't show up. He already didn't show up to the voluntary OTAs that have started, and the entire whiteout group didn't even show up either. So, if that tells you anything about where the whiteouts stand in this whole standoff, he's he's the MVP, you know. So, um, I think Rogers, Rogers, and Julio for the first time ever. I think that they're gone. Yeah, I mean, I just, I mean, the question now, the question now, is where to julio i think has been linked to i can't believe i'm about to say this but the new england patriots uh if that happens i mean cancel the season uh if if bill belichick gets a weapon like julio jones who knows what could happen um and then i think he's also been linked to tennessee that's a very intriguing scenario as well pairing him with another offensive weapon like the russian king Derrick Henry, that makes Tennessee's offense look completely different. Um, and then Rodgers, I mean, he's been linked to Denver with John Elway being at the helm of that front office. Um, he has been linked to San Francisco, which is obviously his home, and the 49ers passed up on him 16 years ago. So it it all just now becomes a matter of where do they go and how much does that team have to give up? And that's really what I think teams are going to have to now consider, especially as June 1st gets closer and closer on the calendar. So it's it's a very, very dicey situation for, for both teams because they're going to be losing generational talents at the end of the day. And it's realistically going to set their yeah. franchises back years. It's good. It's it's for the Falcons, you know. It won't necessarily settle back, but it 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 hurts them. You know, they got they have a guy to replace. 
to replace him. Obviously, he's not as good as Julio, but Calvin Ridley's a stud. Yeah, Green the, Bay, yeah. really, it changes everything. But I think it's, uh, you know, with the Falcons, I think they're going to be – they're going to end up getting more of a – I think they're going to end up getting more of a D-hop deal than an Amari Cooper deal. I feel like they're not going to get his value. You know, they're going to end up getting – I just feel like they're going to get bamboozled in the Julio trade. It's not – it's going to be tough to get Julio's value back. Um, yeah, I mean, if the, I'm if I'm Atlanta's front office, I'm not settling for anything less than at least two first round picks. And as far as Rodgers goes, um, if I'm Green Bay, I need I need huge, pa- maybe the biggest, the best paid trade package ever. You know, I need something that I can't say no to, or I'm playing hardball with Rodgers. Yeah, I cannot I mean, just give Rodgers away. Look at look at what Matt Stafford went for the Rams and now put that in terms of what Aaron Rodgers is worth. Yeah, I think he's the got to have the most trade value ever. I mean, yeah. always. He's he's the most current guy right now. Um he wants to leave. He, he's got to be you you should be asking for a starting quarterback, some other players, multiple first, multiple, you know, maybe second day picks. It's going to be it, it needs to be crazy. Um, and I think it will be. I think Denver and San Francisco are the two, like you said, I think those are the two most likely. But, you know, there's a lot of other teams that could uh, try to make that push to, you know, flip their franchise around in one year. Yeah. So, all right, Tyler, I got to know, do you think Julio knew he was live on TV before Shannon called? Or do you think he caught it when Shannon told him on the phone that he was live and he just still doubled down? Um, I think he knew. I just find it really hard to believe that someone wouldn't know they're about to be on live, you know, live live TV or live radio or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, I like that. Like Shannon Sharp would be, he's he's a professional. You know what I mean? He he was a pro. He's a player himself. He's got to know not to put a player in that predicament. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a really good point. I think there's that that code between players, especially once a player becomes media, that they they really don't try and put another player in a in a bad light or in a bad position when it comes to the media yeah. because they've been in that same position before. But yeah. on the other hand, Tyler, in my from my perspective, I think Julio's also to the point where whether he knew or not beforehand i don't think it mattered he was going to answer that question the same way he just wants out of atlanta well and it also makes more sense why they went and took a tight end with the highest pick ever you know maybe they didn't maybe there was some communication even before this point with atlanta yeah yeah so um it'll be interesting to see where he goes yeah definitely and i mean it's going to be interesting to see if if aaron Rodgers gets traded or if he comes back to green bay or if he i think potentially sticks to his word and and truly walks away from the game of football potentially altogether i think those are all um possible outcomes yeah and and so do i but all right before we get coach scott fields on the line to talk about the first round of the nba playoffs i gotta let you know that this episode of the sports kingdom show is sponsored by j diamond estates 
for all of your real estate needs here in the Los Angeles area. Contact Jacob Diamond at 818-451-8539, or you can check out his website, jdiamondestates.com, DRE number 020-68311. Come on, you're getting paid. Ask something. Final seconds. You take this and you burn it. Job's not finished. Job finished? I don't think so. So when you get done with this, you should be butt-ass naked. Joining us on the phone once again, former FIBA and NBA coach and host of the Coach Scott Fields show, Coach Scott Fields. Coach, how are you, man? We are doing well, man. It's NBA playoff time. There's no better time in the season than right now. Amen. Amen, Coach. We are happy to have you on the Sports Kingdom show once again. It's been a while since we've had you on. It's been a, a crazy year. How's everything been holding up for you dur- during this, this crazy time? I hope every, everyone's been, been healthy and safe and, and all of that. I know you've had surgery and, and you're on the mend from that, but everything else uh, has been, been well for you over the past year? You know what? We've done well. Our, my son came back from uh, playing professionally over in Europe. They had a successful season in their playoff run. Uh, NBA playoffs are going on right now. We are healing from surgery, so... Uh, Hey, this just it's just a great time and glad to be on here with uh with you two guys uh, chopping it up once again cuz you guys are first class. This this is the perfect time for for you just to be laid up on the couch. You could just watch all the games. <laughs> it's you you got it all set for you right now, huh? Hey, I'll tell you what. Uh it, it's if if I'm going to be laid up, it might as well be right now if I don't have a team <laughs> that I'm uh, that I'm on the bench on. So it's good. As a matter of fact, I got the uh I got Memphis and the Jazz playing in the background right now. Yes. Well, uh, currently, the uh, at least on the, the ESPN score that I have right now, it's 10-7 to 7, uh, Grizzlies. So uh, it's, it's early in yes, that sir. match, in that matchup. But we'll, we'll start in the East, Coach. Uh, one of the other games that occurred this evening was the 76ers and the Wizards. They had game two. The 76ers now lead that series two to nothing after winning game two, 120 to 95. Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, they both scored 22 points apiece tonight. And Joel Embiid shot an impressive 75% from three-point range. Uh, Russell Westbrook did leave the game with an ankle injury. And I don't know if you saw the the shenanigans with that fan uh, as Russell was leaving. Uh, That was just some, I'll, I'll just leave it at shenanigans. Um, but really what, what I want to get your thoughts on from this series coach is the, the 76ers, they lead the series two to nothing. And it's really been a, a lopsided affair in the, in the one eight matchup here in the Eastern conference. What do you think DC can do to make this a competitive series now? Well, the, the first thing, as you kind of alluded to, 
you know, the, the 76ers. And again, I'm going to speak from a coach's lens and a coach's perspective. So the, the things that I'm seeing, I'm not surprised by any of the dominance going on uh, with the 76ers. They're the number one seed. Um, you know, they've got home court advantage. You've got your, you know, guy who could be the MVP. You've got a guy who could be the defensive player in the year in Ben Simmons. Um, you, you saw a, a, you know, D.C. club that was coming in uh, and had to fight and claw and scratch to get into the playoffs. Uh, that, that had to take a little bit of en- energy from them. And then, you know, you've got Westbrook, who's not at 100%. And, you know, you've got to have him at 100% uh, to be able to compete with the number one seed. So really not surprised with anything that I'm seeing uh, in that. The, the, the adjustments that D.C. is going to have to make, of course, you know, now between these games, Westbrook is going to have to be fueled by what happened as he was leaving the court. And I know it doesn't take a lot to, uh, you know, for him to bring the ferocity uh, to his game, but, you know, he's going to have to have a lot of treatment. He's going to have to try to get back to close to 100% as possible. And, uh, you know, that, that's just a tough break, uh, you know, for him in that series because they're going to need both uh, Westbrook and Bill to be, you know, doing, you know, big things. Yeah, I mean, I think Russell, we were, when we were watching the game, Russell just, he brings something special to the playoffs because of that personality he has. He's kind of got the me against the world thing going on. And, he, you know, he he's a fierce competitor and, and he's a great player. So uh, typically he, he kind of wears his heart on his sleeve. You see, you saw he acted um, kind of emotionally from the fan heckling him. Um, which is kind of, you know, I mean, it's understandable in that situation, but as far as on the core, I mean, it's what you want in a player and a competitor and a teammate in my mind. Yeah. He's, he's very, very competitive. Uh, he is who he is. Uh, you know, the, the one thing I'd like to see from him is, uh, is better shot selection. I, I think sometimes, you know, he can be talked into settling for the jump shot, which is really not his highest percentage. Uh, he's going to be better when he gets feet into the paint and uh, can get things going to the basket or in the open court. So uh, I'm, I'm sure there's going to be adjustments made to where, you know, hopefully within the offensive system and set, you know, they can get him, you know, higher percentage looks. Coach, before we move on to the next series, uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on the play-in tournament real quickly because you mentioned how the Wizards really had to claw and fight their way into the playoffs, and they they really ended the season on a on a hot note. And going into the play-in game, the the Wizards were really the only team that I think really benefited from the play-in scenario. So what what were your thoughts on on the NBA's play-in tournament this season, and do you think it should stick around? You, you know what? Let's give Adam Silver a lot of credit for it. Uh, it it's a moneymaker. It's a business, and they saw a, a way to capitalize on games that will come in uh, through TV revenues. And now that you know they're getting twelve to thirteen thousand fans, uh, you know, into the arenas, you know, getting the the merchandise and things going, uh, it, it, it's all about a money maker. And the thing is though, you looked at the Sunday of the regular season, the day that it ended, there were playoff implications which, you know, gave it a playoff atmosphere and then the play in games to me, I think was great for the fans. And it gave, you know, a lot of fans something excited 
to to be about and you know they're watching the games and you know every every possession meant something uh that the intensity was great both eastern conference and western conference so i think it's something that's going to be here to stay now you know if you're in that number six seed or you in that number seven seed where it's changed where the seven and 18 where before you were automatically in the playoffs and now you're in a playoff scenario you know that's just going to give you some time to galvanize continue to get chemistry and uh you know, get, get yourself into into the into the playoff setting itself. But I think it's here to stay. I think it's a great money maker. And uh, again, kudos to Adam Silver. Now I know not everybody agrees with that, but uh, when you look at the numbers and you look at the ratings, uh, it's here to stay, fellas. Yeah, I definitely agree. It's here to stay. It, and and like you said, it's a business. It's a money maker. It creates extreme drama. I mean, to get LeBron and Curry in year one. You know, that's definitely wow. going to help because, you know, you're definitely not going to uh, try for a second year. So uh, I, I, I agree with Coach. I think it's here to stay. Um, and it, it's exciting. I think it just – it takes time for people to get used to a new norm. Um, they've created more spots uh, for the playoffs, and they made, you know, those top six spots even more valuable than before. Yeah, and I think aside from the ratings, I think – Ultimately, at in terms of teams that would normally have decided to tank the rest of the season away and try and go for that top draft pick or that possibility of getting that top draft pick, I think the playing tournament really did deter from that tanking for those teams that were towards the bottom of, of the standings. You're exactly right. Now, I know LeBron a few weeks before – uh, was not in favor of it, but to be honest with you, I think that it may have actually helped them because that allowed them uh, to try to get their legs and get their rim- rhythm and get their chemistry kind of going as well. So totally. I know we'll talk about that a little bit later in the discussion, but um, you know, I-, I think for them to have those couple games under their belt, um, even though you know that first game with Phoenix was more of a tester to kind of see where they're at. And again, I know we'll talk about that when we get there, but again. I just think there's so many positives that can be drawn from that play-in uh, scenario. Totally. Well, all right, let's let's move on to the next series in the East, and that is the, the Brooklyn Nets and the Boston Celtics. The Nets, they currently lead the Celtics 2 to nothing in the series. And, and Coach, I, I don't really want to talk about Brooklyn as, as much as I really want to talk about Boston. And Tyler and I, we went over this quote from Brad Stevens last weekend, and we really didn't know what to make of it. And now that having you on this week, I think it's it's really perfect because I, I really want to hear your thoughts on this from a coach's perspective. And and I'll read read the quote to you after the, the play in game for the Celtics. Brad Stevens said, quote, we'll do our best to get ready for Brooklyn. They're the best of the best. As a fan of the NBA, it's hard to see those guys losing. So. Brad Stevens said that after the playing game. So that tells you already, in my opinion, the level of confidence he has in his own team going into that first round matchup against Brooklyn. So from a, from a coach's perspective, what do you make of these comments? And does it surprise you that the Celtics now find themselves down two to nothing on their way home to Boston? It's a great question. I think basically what he was trying to do, you know, they they had already lost Brown. Uh, I think he was just trying to lower the expectations. But I think also when you do that, 
and which is going to start a lot of talk on social media, I think that also can send a negative or toxic message throughout the locker room and to your leadership, even though you know they're going to try to compete and do everything they can. But, again, when when you look at New Jersey on paper and you get those three guys balling uh, with, with the supporting system and role players that New Jersey has, Brooklyn, I, Brooklyn. I understand where he's coming from with that. But, again, I think a lot of that had to do with just trying to lower the expectations and taking some of the pressure um, – off of off of the you know the Boston team. Yeah, I, I think that's actually a, a really good point and a really good way to look at it as far as lowering the expectations. I think Tyler and myself, we had the the reaction of how could you let someone like know that you have that like low level of confidence in your guys or like how could you portray that outwardly to to anybody outside the franchise kind of thing like you can manage expectations with the players, but I think putting up that front to the outside world, I just I felt it was a bad message by him. But no, you I th- I think you put it in a in a much better perspective of lowering the expectations given the circumstances. Well, and again, you're looking at a at a coach who uh, you know is on a bit of a hot seat. And, you know, those fans are going to be hostile. They're going to be, you know, that Boston crowd that, you know, you even heard Kyrie talk about, uh, you know, before going into this to this game into Boston. Um, I think, again, he's just trying to make it easier to lower those expectations to take some pressure off not only himself, but also the team. Because, again, you know, you've got Jalen Hurd and you've got a, a team that, again, has kind of struggled and has not met expectations in the last couple of years. So, again, you know, you're, you're trying to do things since there were, you know, tangibles out there that you couldn't control, such as those injuries, to have some great players, you know, missing from your lineup. Again, I, I, I think he was just trying to, you know, lower the bar a little bit. But, again, I think there's certain things that you say to the press and to the public, and then when you go back in that locker room, you say, okay, guys, this is what I'm telling the press, but you guys all know we believe and we can, if we execute and we value our possessions, we can still, you know, come in here and try to steal a game and try to get back home court advantage. And I'm sure that's the message he was saying in the locker room. Yeah. I mean, I think Brad, like, you know, I kind of reacted. Brad Stevens is a smart guy. He knows what he's doing. Um, I think he's pretty premeditated everything he says to the press. So uh, he must've had a handle on the locker room before saying stuff like that. And, you know, he, he with set also setting expectations and, and giving credit to how good Brooklyn really is, you know. 100%. Tyler, you're exactly right because he, you know, he's an excellent communicator and, you know, he, he doesn't, you, you don't see him go through peaks and valleys. He has a calm demeanor on that sideline. So I'm sure he, you know, he told, you know, probably, Danny Ainge and everybody else before he even went into that press conference exactly what was going to be said how it was going to be said why it was going to be taken the way that it was going to be taken and again you know there's a different message being delivered in the locker room do you think that Boston has a chance to make this into a competitive series or do you think the Nets sweep you know what from a fan's perspective you want to see competitive series but I just feel like you know New Jersey 
it has so many weapons and it, you know you're you're going into war with water pistols on that one but you know if you can steal one game you you got to feel pretty good with what you've done because you know when when you look at it you you're looking at um you know Tatum coming in there who could you know be the new face of that franchise and now can he can he be that guy who can put the team on his shoulders where you know there's expectations for him to also have to step up and be that guy when you know he doesn't have his you know one two counter punch there with him so, uh, you know, I, I look for him to continue to grow and evolve throughout the series. And, you know, battles like these are where those experience come in because you learn and grow as, as, as a player and as a coach within these settings. And you thrive for this kind of competition because when the intensity is that high, if you don't bring your mindset and you don't bring your skill set to that court, you're going to get embarrassed and your, your weaknesses are going to be exposed quickly. Yeah, I mean, I think that Boston has enough in the tank to get one at home. Uh, it's, I think if if they do, it's got to be game three. If they lose game three, it's probably going to end up being a sweep. It'd be yeah. tough to come out I agree. To, in that fourth game motivated. So, um, you know, I would like to think that this team could, can get a win at home, uh, you know, this year. I just I just think with the the loss of Jalen Brown – for the Celtics, that was really the the nail in the coffin for their season. I think they were they were lucky to make it out of the play-in scenario, honestly, without Jalen Brown. And to to be paired up against the Nets, that's really I think the the worst draw you you, you possibly could have gotten in, in the Celtics scenario. One hundred percent. You got both of you guys. His finger is right on the pulse. You know the game. You you could you've studied the game. You see what's going on and. I, I agree with your perspectives 100%, fellas. You're right on it. So, Coach, let's let's talk about the Bucks now because and and we'll get to kind of the the more overarching argument when we when we get to the West. But but the Bucks they could have avoided Miami in the first round by by losing their last two games. But they they decided they they wanted to face them again. They lost to them last year in the playoffs and, and Milwaukee wanted their revenge and now they're they're up two to nothing I want to know can the defending Eastern Conference champion Miami Heat come back against Milwaukee and and who's going to have to step up most alongside Jimmy Butler to make that happen you know what another great question uh they're going to have to to make a splash here in game three uh you know that there, there's a culture set there uh, by Pat Riley, and you know they—they're not afraid of anybody. Now they've been outplayed and they've been out-executed in the first two games. But again, if they can't send a message quickly in Game Three, uh, you know they've dug themselves a deep, deep hole that's very, very difficult to get out of. Jimmy Butler is the heart and soul of that team. Um, you know you're going to have to have Dragic really step up. Bam, you know is going to have to play both ends of the floor. Be be the defender and rebounder to trigger the offense. Hero's been uh, MIA. You know what? Yeah, I agree. I agree. And uh, so you, there's there's got to be guys that you know who's your who, who's your third who's your third score. And and as you watch between these games to see what type of in between game adjustments are being made by the staffs, that's where you have to get guys going and build their confidence. Now maybe a guy last year like Hero who did a great job in the bubble, all of a sudden you saw that when he was in the road, 
on the road in a playoff atmosphere, it was a whole different feel. And that's when these role players, I mean, you know, again, you've only got so many Lionel Richies and Michael Jacksons. Who's your other Commodores and who's your Tito's? <laughs> so uh, it, someone, someone's got to step up and, and do what they got to do because, again, you've got to have that third scorer who's going to consistently, you know, give you something, um, you know, with, within that role. And, and right now they don't have that guy yet, but at home, I feel like they're going to be more comfortable, and they're, they're going to have a little bit more of that swag to them. So uh, let, let's see how they respond because right now the Bucks uh, have done a great job by you know controlling home court. Yeah, and it just doesn't feel like the same Heat team uh, as the bubble was. You know, and the bubble was kind of a, a time and a place. Um, they had a special kind of momentum going into it. They carried it through. Jimmy was playing out of his mind. Uh, and I think this Miami Heat team you're seeing is kind of closer to, to where they're really at as a franchise. Not that they're a bad team. I just, I think Milwaukee um, has grown from the kind of the, the stumbles um, and they're ready to kind of bury this team and they got a lot better. Uh, adding a Drew Holiday to the mix. So um, I just – I feel like this might be a sweep. Um, again, you know, like Boston, I think Miami is definitely a talented enough team to get one win. But it, hopefully it's game three because being down 3-0 is just tough. Yeah, Tyler, you, you said that this is a completely different Miami Heat team. And and I think on – the the opposite side it's a it's a completely different Milwaukee Bucks team I mean Giannis had probably another MVP caliber season as well if not an even a better season than he had last year he's just not going to get MVP because of voter voter fatigue but also additions like Drew Holiday and then also I heard Matt Barnes Stephen Jackson and Kendrick Perkins talking on the latest all the smoke episode about additions of guys like P.J. Tucker and Bobby Portis who really give Milwaukee an edge that they didn't really have before. And you saw Forbes light it up last night. Yep. Yeah, again, those those guys have had, you know, yep, acquisitions that really did a great job in – and E, you're right. You know, Giannis had another phenomenal season. You you got Middleton, who's got another year of experience. You got yep. Holiday, who's kind of come in there, who controls the the pace and space and does a good job. And then again, like you said, you you saw Forbes come in there and just you know go unconscious. Now oh. again, that's that that's because of everything that that's kind of you know tra- you know transpired within their pace and getting to the to hold the way they did that opened up shooting lanes for those guys so again it's going to be fun to watch and and from a fan's perspective uh you know you got to enjoy what you've seen but again the bubble was like an AAU for men you know there was no travel <laughs> everybody was in the hotels and 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 I hate to say it that way but that that truly is what it was and so, you know, if, if a team got in there and got a little bit of rhythm, got, got some confidence going, uh, you know, they didn't have to travel. You know, every, it was a concealed, controlled environment. And now that you are traveling and you're on the road and, you know, now, now you've got to make better decisions, uh, you know, sometimes those younger guys, it's going to take them a second to kind of get into that rhythm and get their swag while they're on the road. Yeah. So, all right, Coach. Did- oh, no, sorry. Tyler, go. No. No, I was just going to say that was the best basketball Jimmy Butler had ever played in his life. I mean, he really was. Oh, yeah, in the bubble for sure. 
of the bubble and it went it went a long ways as far as that AAU tournament culture. Yeah, there must have been something in that coffee he was selling. <laughs> so, all right, Coach, last <laughs> last series in the Eastern Conference before we before we head west, the Hawks and Knicks they wrapped up just before we we started recording. That series is now tied one to one in uh, after the Knicks they won Game Two, one hundred one to ninety two, behind Derrick Rose's twenty six points off the bench. Trey Young had thirty points for the Hawks in Game Two. And the Hawks, they were also able to obviously steal game one. But the Knicks, they fought back in the second half here in game two. And with it being 1-1 going back to Atlanta, what do you think Trey Young needs to do to make sure the Hawks take control of this series before heading back to New York? Trey Young just needs to be Trey Young. You know, you keep on hearing people, the experts and the pundits talking about, oh, he's the next, you know, Steph Curry. No, just, let's just let him, you know, be Trey Young. I thought he did a great job tonight um, as, as far as, you know, after, you know, the things that were said and how he was trying to quiet the crowd. And, you know, you saw that crowd in there at MSG tonight. It was outstanding. 15,000 really strong. That, Boy, and and they they brought it, and uh, and I and I think that's great for the league because you know for a decade you know you you've got a media mecca like that that you know when when the Knicks are in the playoffs it's better for the association. So you know I I heard the Nate McMillan comments. I'm great friends with Coach McMillan, and I think he's done a great job since he's taken over that franchise. And I seriously see that series going six or seven. I feel like the Knicks have a slight advantage because they do have home court. And I feel like that crowd will kind of help kind of push them over the top. But I really feel like both of those teams are going to steal one on the road, which is why that series is going to run deep. But boy, I'll tell you what, that's a fun one to watch because no one, nobody had, you know, New York going up to be a four seed. And then, you know, when, when, you know, it wasn't even halfway through the season, uh, but, you know, before coach McMillan came in, both of those teams have just really kind of had an idea. Coach, hey, Coach, you there? Yes, yes, sir. Oh, you kind of broke up there at the end as you were, you were talking there. Yeah, I, I heard a beep, so I, wasn't, I apologize. No, 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 you're good. You're good. I, just, I was just trying to make sure you were still there. I, I wanted to make sure we didn't drop the call. Um, no, you. But you, you brought up an interesting point about Trey Young and just letting Trey Young be Trey Young. I find this matchup very interesting to where. The Knicks, they were obviously, I think, one of the biggest surprises of the league this year, and they're really much more of a a collective unit. I I saw at one point during the game tonight that the bench for New York had outscored Atlanta's bench like 45 to 16 or something like that. And it's like, that's why I think New York has the edge in this series to where it's much more of a collective unit to where you can let Trey Young do his thing but if the rest of the Hawks don't show up, it's kind of like you're not really getting much. And that's that's where I think the Knicks have the advantage of, of being a stronger unit together. Well, and if you notice, Coach Tibbs' teams, and the reason you know he has success is his teams have a defensive identity. And that defense, you're going to see, is going to travel. But the thing that's so nice, I mean, and you mentioned Derrick Rose a little bit earlier, these guys – 
have a chip on their shoulder. And those are Tibbs kind of players because they, you know what, you can win 40 games in a season just by playing hard. And those guys are playing hard. And that's what you've got to enjoy seeing. So that's why, you know, I, I remember, you know, 20 games in a season, I was like, you know what, uh, Tibbs has, you know, changed that culture. He's got those guys believing. And, you know, Julius Randle had checked all the boxes and, again, named most improved player. Uh, I mean, he's, he's done a great job, and, and he's showing he can be the face of that franchise. And you saw that first game, the pressure of that, how it kind of affected his flow, how he didn't allow the game to come to him. But, you know, today was a, was a little bit better uh, an example of what you mentioned as far as the bench and the role players, uh, you got to have depth. But again, that that Tibbs, uh, you know, identity of defense was was definitely present. Yeah, and you know, I think Tibbs was so crucial with RJ and Julius Randle making the huge uh, jumps. You know, he's also a guy that plays guys a ton of minutes and really, you know milks the talent that he has on each team. I mean, I think those guys were close to leading the league in minutes. Um, and so the Knicks got a really good chance of winning this series. But unfortunately, I do think it's going to go six or seven. But unfortunately, I just think the Hawks have too much firepower um, to for the Knicks to compete with. I don't think the Knicks have enough firepower. Uh, Hawks have so many scoring options off the bench. I mean, to have Gallo and Lou Will coming off the bench. Uh, obviously, you have Trey Young and Bogdanovich and all those guys. Uh, I really like this Hawks team. And who knows what uh, seed the Hawks would have been in if Dave McMillan was the coach all year. You know, That's this, a good point. This, this team could be like a top three seed. We don't, you know, uh, they're a young team that's getting better constantly. So this is one of my favorite uh, series to watch. You know, it's it's – it's a couple young teams that really aren't a threat to win the title, uh, but it's fun watching their progression and they're making their way uh, to being in that conversation. I, I agree with you, Tyler. It's a lot of fun to watch. And, you know, both of those coaches are tactical guys. You're going to see a lot of, uh, adjustments between games, but also what you're going to see with these coaches, you're going to see a lot of in-game adjustments, which you've kind of seen, uh, you know, throughout the first two games already. So it's going to be a chess match. And I, I think a thing that uh, Coach Tibbs has done with, with Barrett and both Randall, and then you look at Toppin, who came in there, you know, as a rookie, and, you know, you got Gallo. And, you know, I'll tell you what, it's it, it's just interesting to see the size versus the speed versus the heart. And, and Tibbs is just ITC. He instilled the confidence. All right, coach, let's, uh, let's head West now and talk about the team in your home state. Currently the Utah jazz, they, they find themselves down currently in the series one to nothing with the Memphis Grizzlies, but they're up, in the game, game two right now, uh, I have the score forty-three to thirty-two with with nine ten to go in the second quarter. The the Grizzlies they really came out and and punched Utah in the mouth in game one. The the Jazz they were obviously missing Donovan Mitchell and that became the the overarching big headline from game one, and and how the Jazz managed Donovan Mitchell's injury. What do you make of how they they handled that situation and how they've treated Donovan Mitchell's injury? And do you think the Jazz are at serious risk of an upset here in the in the one eight matchup? 
I really feel like Utah will settle in. I think they kind of came in and they started, uh, you know, believing all the hype. They know that they were the number one seed. They had home court advantage. I think they took the Grizzlies a little bit light. And I think the Jazz thought, okay, you know what? We're going to be able to give Donovan a little bit more rest on that high ankle sprain. And you know what? Like you said, they, they, they got punched right in the mouth. You know, Mike Tyson always says everybody has a game plan until you get punched right in the face. <laughs> and uh, the Grizzlies came out, punched them right in the face. And uh, now they got to wake up. So now here's the thing. Did they wake up a sleeping giant? How much rust and rhythm is Donovan going to have? Uh, you know, as you said, it's 46-32 right now at home. So, uh, you know, the thing is, is are they going to slow down the penetration of John Morant? Are they going to, you know, keep Jonas from, you know, going crazy and being physical inside? And is, is Gobert going to be able to, you know, show his physical presence and by deterring shots or changing shots uh, on the defensive end? But how they handled it, um, a little bit disappointed. Now, Donovan Mitchell's still just a young man, but I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. I mean, he, he's a superstar in the making, but I feel like it here, – here's the part that wasn't reported. The people who said that he was ready to play were his trainers and his people. It was not the Utah Jazz's people. And I feel like the Utah Jazz could have got out in front of it and changed the narrative, but it was, you know, social media – and, you know, Donovan expressing his displeasure because he wanted to play, but I think the Jazz were just trying to protect him. But, you know, and after they lose the game, now it's like, okay, well, you know, he wants to play. The doctors say, yeah, he's going to be ready to play. So I feel like it was mishandled, uh, you know, from the top down. And, you know, I, I hate to be critical of that, but, you know, again, here's a young guy with desires that wants to be out there, and sometimes you've got to protect a guy who's just so overeager and anxious but yet, you know, social media plays a role, and then you you got to respect what the jazz people and the jazz doctors have got to say, not just what Donovan's trainers and their people have got to say. It's kind of like Tom Brady with, with, with Tampa Bay, you know? Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. Definitely kind of just a, a mishandle uh, with communication. And one of those things where if they win that game, it might not be a headline. Yeah, or, I think that's you know, really what magnified it the most was the loss. Or, or also, you know, three, four days from now, are we ever going to talk about it again? You know, it just he it, wants it, to play. It's the same He's thing a as competitor. yeah, yeah. It, it's the same as last year with the whole thing with COVID and and Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. Where again, you have a common denominator with how things have got out. So you have to kind of take a look at that and say, okay, how can we do a better job as a franchise? To, to get in front of the narrative and handle this collectively as a franchise. And I think those are things that everybody can learn and grow from. And, again, you know, w w if the Jazz take care of things in, in a, in a four- or five-game series, it it's all going to be unicorn and rainbows. Yeah, and, I mean, I think either way, the Jazz were going to, to win this series no, no matter what. I think their, their true tests lie, lie ahead of them in, in later rounds. But for the Grizzlies and Memphis, I think this is a, a great step forward for the franchise. They got close to making the playoffs last year. If I'm not mistaken, they lost to Portland in the play-in yep. game in the bubble. And so to make the playoffs this year after the play-in game scenario and upsetting the Warriors in the play-in game, that that I think is it's a great sign for, for things to come in Memphis. And I think we, we really have seen that since John Morant has been drafted by, by Memphis. 
Yeah, you know, John did an amazing job. It looked like the Warriors and Steph Curry, you know, used so much gas in that Laker game, and then you had LeBron, you know, hitting hitting the hitting the basket in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, which, which again was great for the fans, but it just looked like you know the Warriors were a little bit gassed, and yet yet you had Memphis coming in there with a chip on their shoulder. That, as you mentioned, they were so close that just got basically put out by Dame Dollar. But you know, you got a year of growth and maturity, and Jaw the last three minutes of that Warriors game, you know what? He got to his spots. He was comfortable, and, uh, you know, he, he, he took that team on his shoulders. And, here, you know, he carries that swagger and momentum right into game one in Utah. And, like we say, you know, punched him in the face and uh, may, maybe woke up a sleeping giant. Yeah, I'm really excited for this Memphis team. They definitely showed growth this year. Um, you know, Jock can, can kind of hang his hat on first year, made it to the playing game second year won the playoff game maybe next year we can win a series and uh and also you know if donovan mitchell doesn't come back you know close to you know 75 percent the memphis starting five can play with with this utah starting five and it, and it could be a more stressful series than utah wants it to be although i do think utah like coach said is going to settle in and win it um, this Memphis team is, is is a really good basketball team, and um, it's going to be exciting to watch John Morant and this Grizzlies teams kind of grow. Yeah, I think the difference for the Jazz is the the depth on the bench. I mean, you got Jordan Clarkson, who's sixth man of the year, which you know I kind of picked before the awards came out. You got Joe Ingles. You know, you got a healthy Bogdanovich this year, who they were missing last year in that Denver series. So you know, right now their bench. Is, is where it needs to be. Now, now, do they have enough to win a seven-game series against the elite in the wild, wild west? That's yet to be seen, and we're going to have to see how that played out. And, and hopefully Utah did not peak too early. And just remember, I used that phrase, hopefully they did not peak too early. Uh, but, again, there, there's going to be uh, a lot of growth and a lot of developing and a lot of maturity coming from uh, these playoff scenarios for all these teams. But I agree with what you guys are saying about Memphis and, and, and seeing where they've come. And, and Coach Taylor Jenkins has done a nice job. Coach, uh, this this may be my Laker fan bias coming out, but I think the Jazz are peaking too early. <laughs> I got you. But, uh, and, and, and I can understand why you say that, and that's not just a bias. You're speaking from a perspective of knowing who the Lakers are and what they can be when they are healthy. Right, right, definitely. And, and Donovan Mitchell can erase all these kind of questions. You know, Donovan Mitchell comes back, and he looks like Donovan Mitchell, The you know, it's a completely different tone. Yeah, completely. But all right, coach, let's move on to the next series. And I, and I, I kind of want to combine the the next two. And it's it's the Nuggets and the Trailblazers, and then the Mavericks and the Clippers, because I I kind of mentioned it when I when I talked about the Milwaukee Bucks and and their opportunity to either lose two to avoid the Heat or win two and, and take <laughs> I them knew on you were on. leading into that. <laughs> Well, yes, here, here's I knew my, what you were leading into. Here's my thing, Coach. I'm, I'm sure you're a believer in the basketball gods. Are you not? Hey, I, I'm. I, I was on two uh, interviews last week, and I used that exact same term of the basketball gods and basketball karma. Listen, and when you take it upon your hands to, you know, dump a few games to, uh, you know, 
basically choose to go against Dallas, and Dallas is sitting there salivating with Luka Doncic, Oh boy, watch what you wish for. And how the <laughs> how the series went last year with the Clippers? Yeah, that that series yep. got feisty. That's right. And That's then, exactly right. And, and we're we're seeing it now. We're seeing it play out now. Definitely. And and the Nuggets they decided to 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 pack it in and and avoid the Lakers in the first round as well. But back to the back to really the the basketball gods and the basketball karma. It's like they're they're always watching and they're not going to be forgiving of those that tempt their fate. And so yep. well it, it, coach Green in the NFL once said they are who we thought they are. <laughs> so yes. yeah, I, I and, and again it, it it's coming out but you know uh the, the Clippers uh I just there there's something missing and what is that it that's missing. I mean, you've got Kawhi, who we know what he brings. You've got PG-13, who, you know, who can be dangerous in certain situations. But again, you know, can the Clippers get over that proverbial hump that for some reason, come playoff time, they just seem to fizzle out? And uh, it, it, it's something that they're going to have to figure out collectively. It's something that uh, Coach Ty Lu is going to have to get his finger on the pulse and, and redirect that ship because now that you're down 0-2, you can start to get that cancer or that toxic and disbelief throughout that bench and in that locker room. And once that starts to spread, uh, I'll tell you what, it spreads quickly. And we're, we're looking at an O2 series right now, um, you know, from, from the stepbrothers there from, from the city of angels. <laughs> yeah. Clippers, you, you know, you're like running, you're running from your fate. You know what I mean? It's not going to, you're not going to get away from it that easy. Um, this is the NBA. <laughs> You know, like you guys said, the basketball gods, you know, ball don't lie. So you can't run from your fate. And and this this Clippers team just looks like it's it's destined to fail. And, and Luca yeah, is well, just Luca is unreal. He's, on, an, wanna, he's on another I planet. I don't want to take away yep. from Luca like, the you know, the no, Clips and we shouldn't at all. But Luca is, is it's it's amazing to watch this guy play basketball. Uh, if you're a fan of basketball, you cannot dislike Luca. Man, I, the, you know the kid is special, and and I have said it the last couple of years. You know, so many people were surprised by, you know, who is this guy, and he's come out of nowhere. No, you know what? I coached overseas for 15 years, and I watched this young man, you know, be the MVP of the Euro League Finals, and. You know, so for a guy like me who saw him before he came over here, I was like, man, this kid is special, and he's showing how special he is, and he's put that team on his back. And you know what? Um, I think they were all motivated. And, you know, you got a Mark Cuban who's the owner who's going to find all that stuff and things that are being said on social media, and, those, and, and Coach Carlisle is going to use that to fuel and motivate them because I'm going to tell you what – the game at this level is so mental, but when you've got something to motivate you and to, and to trigger your mindset to be in that top 2%, oh boy, things can get, things can get dangerous in a hurry. Definitely. Now, Coach, the, the Nuggets and the Trailblazers, Tyler and I said last week uh, on our preview show for, for the first round that we thought this series – was potentially going to be one of the most exciting series of the first round. And so far it has been. We were tied up 1-1. And, I mean, Tyler and I think, and, and we talked about it last week, that the, the Trailblazers, they have a legitimate chance to upset the Nuggets here in the first round. 
Do you think that happens to the Nuggets, who who have, I think, the presumed MVP in Nikola Jokic? You know what? Jokic has done an amazing job. When Murray went down, everything changed. Uh, when I say everything changed, I'm talking about their chances to you know win the Western Conference. When you lose a guy like that, uh, you know that that's a big gap to fill. Porter has done a nice job stepping up. I do agree with you guys. I feel like that is the series of the Western Conference because again, you got a Damian Lillard who every year seems to get snubbed. They're a, a small market team that doesn't get the notoriety that they deserve. Um, I, I think he and McCollum and Nurkic have got something to prove in that series. I do feel it could go six or seven, but right now, as I'm watching, even though you know Denver, you know, took care of business, Dame Dollar in that backcourt, there, there's something special about them. I mean, they, they got to the Western Conference Finals for a reason, and again, I think they're a team that you know. I don't know if you really call that an upset after Murray's injury. True. No, yeah, I agree. This, this is not. This is kind of a shell of what the Nuggets really are, similar to Boston without Jalen Brown. It's not really the team that earned that that three spot. Um, this is kind of a different team without Murray, and and I definitely think they lost their their threat to make you know, like like Coach said, win the Western Conference. Um, and and you know, they obviously have enough talent to win a series, but. This Blazers team is is too is dangerous and and uh, I think Dame is going to be enough to out duo uh, Jokic's product productivity on the other side. Yeah, I, I'm with you, and, and it's crazy that we sit here and talk about you know it being like a surprise or an upset. You know, and, and you hear people say they're sneaky good. Well, they're sneaky good because, you know, they are a small, a small market team and they don't get the national attention that some other Western Conference teams have. And yet, you know, here in this wild, wild west, you know, Damian Lillard, he, he, he is something special. I mean, he's got unbelievable range. He can take over a game at any time. Um, you know, he, he'll kind of sit back and then you can just kind of see him, you know, a lot of players aren't able to just flip the switch, but when he flips the switch, man, the whole team gets better and they all just kind of ride that wave with him. Cause boy, well, I tell you what, when he starts pointing at that wrist, ooh, we, <laughs> my one worry though, I think with Portland, if they are to go on and beat the nuggets in this series is I wonder if they would have to exert too much energy in this first round to make it past this whoever they would have to play in the second round to beat the nuggets because i think that even with the nuggets being without jamal murray i think they do have enough to to beat up on the the portland trailblazers enough to where they they still make it obviously a, a very competitive six seven game series I think I think you're exactly right on. They are going to have to exert some energy. Uh, it is going to be a, a physical contest. Uh, Denver, again, they're they're only a piece away. And if Murray was healthy, we would be having a whole different narrative and a whole different conversation. For sure. Uh, but with how it's played out with with that injury, um, you know, his presence there on the bench is great. But boy, if you, if you had a Murray that was uh, 100% healthy on the court. Uh, again, I still think it would be a competitive series, but right now I, I do give a nod to Portland, and I do feel like they are going to exert a lot of energy. And, you know, I, I think for them, 
to have success in the second round, they need to get out of that in four or five games. If it goes to six or seven games, you will see that uh, that physicality and that fatigue set in for that second round. Yeah, I don't think the Blazers pose a true threat to, to win uh, the second round, whether it's the Suns or the Lakers. Um, it's gonna it's gonna be too much for them to even get past the Nuggets. That's just kind of where they're at, talent wise. They're a really good basketball team, but I don't know if they're 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 not really a threat to get to the Western Conference Finals. Yeah. So Tyler, you you mentioned the two teams that that we have yet to talk about, and Coach, we'll we'll get you out out of out get you out of here on this. Jeez, I got my tongue tied. Wow, man, it's been a long night. <laughs> hey, it's playoff time. It's that, that's how fun it is, right? Yes. There. No, we've been we've been having a great conversation so far with with Coach Scott Fields. Thank you so much for being here, Coach. Um, we we're gonna end on the Lakers and the Suns here. They are tied one to one. The Lakers they tied up the series last night behind a big bounce uh, bounce back performance from Anthony Davis. The Suns they did a great job in Game One, shutting AD down. And I think me personally, I definitely underestimated the fact that Monty Williams coached Anthony Davis in New Orleans. How big of an impact do you think that makes for the Suns and how they've been able to attack the Lakers defensively so far? Well, when you have that type of player-coach relationship, you know his strengths physically on and off the court. You know his personality. You know what makes him tick. And when you know what those weaknesses are, and if you're able to exploit those weaknesses uh, in a playoff setting, it, it is a major advantage. So, uh, But here, let me say this. The Lakers and how they're constructed. We, talk, we had a conversation last year how they were constructed to win a championship. Now the offseason, they brought in a Dennis Schroeder who they're hoping – will be another Rajon Rondo. Rajon Rondo already had that DNA and championship pedigree. You lost two great rim protectors in a JaVale McGee and a Dwight Howard, and that is not who uh, you know, Mark Gasol is. Mark Gasol is more of a banger who can you know, defend the block, but yet he can step out face and, and, you know, and give you a three-point threat that you know, McGee and Dwight Howard could not give you. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to come down to – you know, how healthy is LeBron and how healthy is AD? Is AD enough to carry that franchise? Because what we're witnessing right now is just like when LeBron James was with the Miami Heat and you had Dwayne Wade, where Dwayne Wade kind of stepped back and said, okay, you know, this is your team, um, you know, LeBron. Now, is LeBron, does he have the maturity to where he can sit back and kind of say, hey, AD, this is now your team? Now, I know it's crazy for us to say that because of all the greatness that LeBron brings to the court, but yet you've got to also look at his age, and then you've got to look at the injuries that affected him coming into the playoffs. So are they able to you know, put it together and be competitive in a way that they are constructed? Because as you're going to see, as they get deeper into those playoffs, them not to have the rim protector and the rebounding that they had uh, you know, Drummond did a great job on the offensive boards last night that where you saw he came in and made an impact. And He's been critical Anthony with Davis, the second-chance opportunities lately. 
Big time, big time. And, and what's happened is you're going to notice AD can play with his back to the basket, but he's much more comfortable facing up. And you hear, you know, Charles Barkley and Shaq saying, oh, no, he needs to get inside. He needs to be in there on the paint. You know what? He's better when he can play the four man. You know, so if Drummond can give you good minutes and continue to be aggressive on the offensive boards and attack the offensive boards, get you second and third positions, and they win the 50-50 balls with the Caruso. I think Kuzma is going to continue to come in and kind of find his way as they get deeper into the playoffs. But I still look for, um, you know, the Lakers to have success in this first round. And, man, it's a shame that it seems like Chris Paul, CP3, is always snake bit when it gets into the playoffs. We saw it with Houston where they – you know, they're a game away from going to the finals, and here again, he has an injury, and it wasn't CP3 that was dangerous. It was CP15 that stepped <laughs> up and came out of nowhere last night. So uh, we're going to start hearing some CP15 here in the near future because even though it's an awkward-looking lefty jump shot, that boy uh, gets buckets. Coach, Cameron Payne is quickly rising on my rankings of most hated sons along with Rajah Bell, so... <laughs> He, he he has been such a pest in the first two games, but he's like that rock in your shoe when you're out for a hike. It just it just bugs the heck out of you. Literally, but so you you touched on a a couple of things there, Coach, and and I think one of the the main things is we know what this Lakers team can be when LeBron James and Anthony Davis are healthy. And all of that. But I think it's clear that LeBron, at least, is not as healthy as I think he is letting on himself. It's He's not driving to the basket as much. We, we see him as more being more of a facilitator, I think, in the first two games. And still, yes, there have been the flashes of athleticism. He had a couple of dunks in the great lob in game two. But... But also, I think the main thing is the Lakers bench has been pretty non-existent in the first two games of the series. Who specifically do you think needs to step up for the Lakers so that they can really take control of this series in the next two games here in Los Angeles? We saw LeBron James get into to KCP's face after he passed up an open three. Like, I want you to shoot. So is, is it KCP or, or who, who else is it? I think it's a culmination. I think Kyle Kuzma has got to get comfortable and he has to get some swag and know what his values are to that team where he can spread the floor, he can penetrate, he can do multiple things and have that versatility. I think KCP is going to have to step up and, and you know be ready to get deeper into these playoff runs and hit that open jumper because when they get into the paint, there's going to be some wide-open opportunities. But I also think Caruso is going to be vital, and I really feel like Schroeder has got to be that Rajon Rondo type that they hope and want him to be because, uh, you know, he played a good second game, but again, to be able to control the tempo, to be able to get the ball in the right player's hands at the right time in the right situation to where Kyle Kuzma and a Caruso and a KCP where they all can be comfortable. That's some tangibles that Rajon Rondo was so good at that, you know, Schroeder's going to have to learn to get good at in a hurry because again, you know, he, he's now a Laker, and you can't dwell 
on the things that have happened in the past and just think it's going to come to you. These guys are going to attack you when they find out that you're the weakness in that, in that chain. So it's, it's going to take two or three guys that are going to have to step up for them to be at that championship level because, again, LeBron is going to be who he is. Um, I'm not taking away from his greatness at all because, again, I feel like he and AD are going to have to get 30 points a game. But, again, third and fourth options, who are those going to be? And it could be somebody different each night, and they've got the tools to do that. And when you're on the floor with two of, you know, some guys say, you know, they're the two of the top seven players in the league, that's going to make everybody's job easier. But they have to be comfortable in that role and knock down those shots. And I think that's why LeBron was trying to instill that confidence in KCP the other night when he wasn't taking that shot, you know, when that ball was passed out to him. They want him and they need him to do that because defenses will collapse and that will take away driving lanes on them if they don't hit those open perimeter shots. Yeah, I mean, for the as far as the Lakers go, I think it's all on hand, you know, and and that's why, even if Braun's not 100%, I think it would, or even if LeBron was 100%, I think it would still be, you know, they need Ann Davis to be aggressive as sort of the number one. Uh, if they want to win the NBA championship, he's pivotal. So uh, I think it all kind of revolves around Ant. He is playing against his old ex-coach. He didn't play well, and they lost. He, he plays well, they won. Uh, and he it, put that on himself Lakers, after game one. And the Lakers are like really that. lucky. I like that. Yeah. You know, the Lake the Lakers are really lucky that that CP3 is down because I think this would be a really exciting series after watching Game One. Um, because the Suns, I mean, Devin Booker is just. I mean, we already kind of knew this, obviously, being basketball people. But man, Devin Booker is just a, a rising star. You know, certified bucket getter, one of the best. Uh, just one of the best offensive players I've seen in a long time uh, up there with like the Hardens and the Carmelos, uh, just a pure offensive game. And, and Itens played really well too. Uh, so the Suns team is, is, is dangerous. And if CP3 was healthy, this would be a tough, uh, a tough out for the Lakers. Um, and as far as their bench goes, you know, I, I think it is going to be a rotating thing. Someone's always going to step up, but, the guy that it seems to be, uh, I haven't heard his name a lot, is Trez. Um, if Montrez well, got plays, a DMPCD in game two. Yep, and, and yep. Gasol got one in game one. Uh, and so, so did Markeith Morris, and they both saw minutes in game two. Yeah, so, you know. I think. No, go ahead. The only reason I think the fives need to play well is so Ann can continue to beat a four, which is, like, where he's best at. Well, I will say when AD went to the five last night, the Lakers got four straight defensive stops. So, I mean, I don't think it really matters if AD is playing the four or the five. It's just, I think it's a matter of everybody else contributing. Like like Coach was and, and yourself, Tyler, were saying, like it will probably end up being a, re- a revolving door of other people having to step up each night like – we saw Schroeder have a very aggressive game two compared to, to game one, and I hope to see more of that aggressiveness the rest of the postseason because that's what Dennis Schroeder needs to provide for this Lakers team. And, I mean, Kuz, I think, has stepped up immensely throughout the season in other ways besides scoring, but we do need him to score as well. So it's it's going to be interesting to see what 
bench players and, and, and rotation players step up for the Lakers. Tyler, you brought up Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton, the two young stars for Phoenix. They're, I think, who are going to have to step up most with CP3 going or not being 100% for this Phoenix team. Coach, DeAndre Ayton's been killing the Lakers' front court, in my opinion, so far in the first two games. He has not been afraid of the moment so far, and I think we knew Devin Booker wasn't going to be afraid of the moment either. But what do you think the Lakers' front court needs to do to shut down DeAndre Ayton? Well, I think you kind of mentioned it. You, um, as far as comfortability, I feel like AD is more comfortable at the four offensively. Now, he's great at defending the five because he's long, athletic, with those long arms that can help, you know, be that rim protector, uh, you know, when Andre Drummond is not and, and uh, Gasol is not. So defensively, when he defends the five, they, they are better because he's, he's in the paint and he can at least change shots and, and trigger the, uh, you know, trigger the rebounds to uh, trigger that offense to start that lob to get Le- LeBron James going. And when he can get easy buckets like that, boy, I tell you what, they can be dangerous. But here's the thing that I'm going to be watching for in this next game. Devin Booker, I thought, needed to step up and recognize that they needed him scoring earlier. I feel like he stepped back and was a little too passive uh, early in that. Now, you got to give the give give the Lakers a little bit of credit on that. But again, I think CP3 was trying to do everything he could by being on the court, but yet you saw him pass up shots that typically he would take when he gets to that elbow or hits that little floater that he was not taking because that shoulder was giving him issues. And I can pick up on it right away just by his body language. Now, I'm hoping in game two for it to be competitive and I know from your Laker perspective, from a coaching perspective, uh, you know, Booker's got to step up and be a scorer earlier to take some of that uh, pressure off of the other players. Aiton has done a great job inside because, again, you know, you've got Drummond, who is not as athletic as an Aiton. He's got length. He's got those young legs. He's got those bunnies still. Uh, Gasol does not have that. So inside, unless you can put Anthony Davis on him, but then if you put Anthony Davis on him, he's now being asked to play both ends of the court and exerting a lot of energy on both ends of the court. So hopefully they can find someone who can, you know, if, if they change in rotations and they double down on Aiton quicker to make him take shots where he's not as comfortable on, on the block and make him take, you know, more mid-range jumpers instead of everything just being dunks, uh, I think that's going to help the Lakers, um, you know, as they move forward. So it, it's going to be fun. I think Vogel doesn't get enough credit for the job that he does, and I think they're trying to find out you know, who's going to be comfortable in certain settings because I feel like Montrez can be an energy guy who can come in and, and be disruptive because he is athletic and he is strong and he can make Aiton catch the ball where he's not comfortable to catch the ball. So I think that's one adjustment that we can kind of watch as we move forward. So there's going to be adjustments as they go along. And, again, it's a, it's a, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. You don't expect anybody to go 16-0 in the playoffs because there's much more parity in the league this year, especially with the, inter- with the injuries. But, uh, it, again, it's going to be fun. It's going to be entertaining for these fans. And from a coach's perspective and lens, I love what I'm seeing throughout these series and throughout these playoffs. And it's fun to come on here and chop it up with you guys who have great knowledge. Oh, we appreciate that, Coach. Yeah, I could talk about the playoffs forever. <laughs> You, Tyler, you, you and me both. You, you got anything else, Tyler, on the Lakers you wanted to say? Uh, you know, I, I guess I'm just, Aiden is, Aiden has definitely been a problem. We got to figure out how to guard him. 
Uh, and, you know, I just hope that Ant's not the answer uh, because, like Coach said, there's the energy factor. And I just think he's susceptible to get into foul trouble uh, um, guarding an Aiden rather than like a spot-up shooter like Crowder or Mikel Bridges. You know, Aiden is physical down low. It, it could, you know, Ant could get into foul trouble. You know, the Lakers need Ant on the court. So, um, Aiden, Ant, D-Book, those are kind of the definitely the guys watching moving forward. Yeah, and I mean, I think over overall from the Lakers' perspective – the it well quickly f- real quick from my perspective i think i underestimated the suns overall in terms of this series but from the of lakers of course of course you did yeah i mean hey what what do you want from me but <laughs> from it's the, the it's the phoenix suns and the lakers but from the lakers perspective realistically in games 1 and 2 phoenix won the game 99 to 90 and then in the the Lakers win in game two, it was 109 to 102. So the Lakers have only given up 99 to 99 points in 102 points. That is consistent for what the Lakers have been doing the entire season, being the number one rated defensive team in the league. So it's like the defense is there. They're realistically just missing the offense. And the offense hasn't been playing poorly. It's it's more just they're missing the support from the main guys. So I think that's really all that the Lakers have been missing in this series. And, and hopefully the, the, the hometown Staples center rims are, are a lot friendlier than Phoenix to the Lakers in, in games three and four. Well, you, you know, what's fun from a coaching perspective, each series will have its own challenges. Like right now you're seeing Aiton, you know, cause, challenges for them now again they're they're number two for a reason they, they were outstanding again if cp3 was healthy again the conversation would be a little bit different but as they advance there's always going to be a challenge where you know how, how are we going to take this on the perimeter are we going to double down are we going to come from the, the baseline side are we going to come from the paint side how are we going to make these things more challenging because great players are going to get those you just have to make them try to be as uncomfortable to get to their spots as possible uh, you know, to lower those percentages. And again, those are going to be defensive strategies. And I've got two great friends on that Lakers staff. Co- coach Mike Pemberthy was a guest on my show and, and coach Phil Handy has also been a guest on my show. So, uh, you know, for me to have those, you know, close friends on that staff, it's going to be fun to, you know, see how they continue to grow and evolve with, with the challenges that kind of come up throughout this playoff series. But again, every team will present its own set of challenges. And again, it, it, it's a 16 game grind uh, to, to lift that Larry O'Brien. So it's going to be fun, uh, you know, for all of us as, as this continues. And maybe as we get into it, the series, a couple of rounds, it'll be fun to come back and chop it up with you guys again. Definitely. Definitely, Coach. Well, uh, Coach, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. It's it's halftime of the Jazz and Grizzlies game. The Jazz are up 74 to 54. So a 20 point lead now for Utah. I want to make sure you can catch the second half of that game. But before you go, why don't you let the people know where you can find the Coach Scott Field show and, and where they can watch it and everything and, and some of the the latest guests that you've had on the show. Well, I appreciate that, fellas. We've had a lot of fun with our show. We've grown. Uh, we're, we're now actually streaming on TV. Uh, we're on the DBNA TV network. Yeah, so we're, we're on Roku. We're on Amazon Fire. We're also on 
uh, Apple TV. And here in the next month, we're actually going to be on demand. Again, it's dbnatv.tv uh, is the website. Our show comes on, I believe, at 5 o'clock Eastern, which is, what, uh, 2 o'clock Pacific time. Uh, so every day it, we are on. We just had Brian Grant, who played 12 seasons with the NBA, uh, who was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease in 2008. He was an outstanding interview. Uh, we had Coach Frank Layden on recently. We've had Rick Barry. We've had Joey Crawford. We have some great NBA guests come on who also share some unique perspectives and journeys, and we're just trying to provide tools for everybody's toolbox. But you can also find us throughout social media. We are uh, on Facebook. Uh, you know, we do some Facebook Live stuff. Uh, we, we also put a lot of content on daily where we kind of, uh, you know, stimulate some questions and uh, get some great feedback from our community. And, again, uh, you know, I, I'm all over the place. So, uh, you know, YouTube is another place you can consume our show. So if you guys are interested and, and have fans and viewers who have enjoyed, you know, the things that we've talked about, uh, I think you'll really enjoy the, uh, you know, the guests that we have come on to share their insights because, uh, you know, 98% of them are NBA friends and guests who come on and share their time with us. And it's just been a blast to kind of grow. Yes. Well, Coach, thank you so much for coming on tonight. We we really appreciate it. And, and we look forward to having you on the Sports Kingdom show once again later on soon. The Sports Kingdom, baby, you guys are doing it. And uh, you guys continue to, uh, you know, bring great content uh, all the time. So for me to be on here with you and share insight is just an honor. And I'm glad, you know, that we've been on here a couple of times and look forward to getting back on here with both you uh, and Tyler and uh, keep up the great work. Because again, uh, this is not just, you know, saturated content that's out there with all these podcasts. You guys do a great job. You do your research. You guys have the knowledge and it's really fun to chop it up with you guys. Just keep up the great work, fellas. Thank you, coach. We appreciate Thank it. You. Appreciate it. All right. So with that, that wraps up this episode of the Sports Kingdom show. For Tyler Pacholke, I am Eric, the Duke of Sports Sklar. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you decide to listen to the Sports Kingdom show so you can stay up to date on the newest episodes of the show. Don't forget to follow at TSK Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow us at the Duke of Sports and at Tyler Pacholke. Coach, what are your social medias real quick? Again, uh, Instagram, Coach Scott Fields, uh, Twitter, Scott underscore Fields, uh, Facebook, it's backslash Coach Scott Fields Show. Same thing on YouTube. It's just a Coach Scott Fields Show. You guys keep it up. And, uh, again, you guys are doing an outstanding job and thrilled to come on here and chop it up with you. All right. Well, we appreciate you all so much for listening. Stay tuned for the next episode of the TSK Show. Peace.